Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, and it is our 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Awards. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. We also have Bryce Turner. And Stat Boy Drew himself, Andrew Glukov, with us. The uh, I can never remember the name when I'm tra- when I'm right in the middle of it. The uh, Leroy Jenkins of UCF Twitter Mafia is with us here on uh, on for our award show. This is going to be a pretty quick one. You know, we didn't have that much news to talk about this week, thankfully. Um, you know, I'm sure there will be more next week as we begin uh, as we're going to have media days for the AAC. Uh, we're hopefully going to have a media day pretty soon for UCF football. We're still waiting on the date for that, but uh, as of as of when we're publishing this on Friday, July twenty second. But let's go ahead and dive right in now. Uh, just a little recap to make sure that we. Uh, uh, by the way, before we get gentlemen, are you dressed in your in your award show best for this occasion? Yes, sir. We're making Good, it work. work. By the way, the reason Kyle is not here is uh, we wanted to avoid him and Drew having a Will Smith, Chris Rock, uh, you know, awards <laughs> moment here. Especially, uh, especially well, regarding, especially regarding members of the UCF, former members of the UCF women's basketball team. I mean, if we go by true history, I mean, I was, I, you know, we once he and I once got into a bar fight, and I was one who decked him. <laughs> so, I guess we'll go with that. Oh god! <laughs> uh, oh my god! I don't even want to know. We're gonna have to discuss that at a later date. All right, so let's dive in. We have twenty six awards that we passed out. Um, that we're going to pass out on this show. Uh, just to recap how the voting went, of course, each of us on the Black and Gold Banneret staff gets one vote, and then we put it out to a fan poll, and the, and the winner of the fan poll gets one vote. And the way we determine the winner is whoever obviously gets the most votes on the staff wins the award. If it's tied, the fan vote winner serves as the tiebreaker. All right? So... Without further ado, let's dive right in. Uh, Coach of the Year awards. We've got two of them. Uh, Women's uh, Coach of the Year, Men's Coach of the Year. Uh, We begin with the Women's Coach of the Year. Uh, Our nominees for this award, uh, Coach Abe from basketball, Coach Cindy Baumalone from softball, Coach Todd Dagenet of UCF Volleyball. The winner, Cindy Baumalone. Uh, overwhelmingly with the uh, with the victory, she uh, she had what five votes, six votes, uh, including she including winning the fan vote. And uh, Cindy Baumalone, the coach of the year. Eric Lopez, I always defer to you on softball. Not a surprise here. No, this was an easy choice, but not even close. With respect to the rest of the coaches who did great jobs, 
But they were not, of course, picked third in their own conference before the season with a young roster replacing their all-time leader in wins, winning 49 games, regular season title, tournament title, host a regional, win a regional, national seed, highest ranking in program history. Pretty remarkable job for her. Yeah. I also forgot Dana Boone was also a nominee. But, you know, Cindy, Cindy Bumlow, when you, get to the, when you get to the Super Regionals for the first time, you get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament in your sport, you're going to win. Um, men's coach of the year. This was unanimous. Uh, our nominees were, uh, were Gus Malzahn from football, Greg Lovelady from baseball, Bryce Waller from men's golf, uh, and, uh, Scott Calabrese from men's soccer. The winner, uh, unanimous winner for men's team coach of the year, Gus Malzahn in his first season at UCF, uh, taking UCF to a bowl game, beating the Florida Gators, uh, and really coming within two plays, and I'm going to defer to you to this, uh, defer to you on this, Andrew. Coming basically within two plays of an 11-win season, possibly even winning the division this year. Uh, it, it, uh, re- and, and considering the coaching job that he did with losing all the players to injury, just a remarkable coaching job, I guess. Well, it wouldn't be winning the division. It'd be coming up number two, but still... Uh, you know, there was a, a number of close games, a lot of 50-50 games in this year, but you know, the men's as a whole was down, and, and his program was the only one that was really up. Yeah, and uh, and uh, great job with him. Congratulations to uh, congratulations to Gus. So those are our two head coaches of the year, Cindy Ball Malone, Gus Malzahn. We also passed out awards for assistant coach of the year. We start with the uh, women's teams are nominees for women's assistant coach of the year. Glenn Smith of track and field, Whitney Jones of softball, Jenny Maurer of volleyball, uh, coach Cummings from women's soccer and Tani Bellario from women's basketball. Our winner, and this one went to the fan vote. This was our first tiebreaker here. Uh, it is uh, tied with Whitney Jones, but the fans voted for Jenny Maurer of uh, UCF Volleyball as the Women's Sports Assistant Coach of the Year. Once again, coaching UCF to record numbers on offense um, and doing a phenomenal job on recruiting. This one was a tough one. Uh, Bryson, I'll, I'll defer to you on this one. This was, this was a really tough one. There's some good nominees here. Um, you know, but, Jenny got the, but Jenny gets the win thanks to the fan vote. Yeah, I think it has to do with the fact that she brought Am- with Amber Olson and McKenna Melville. This, that combination was absolutely deathly to opposing defenses this season, and sh- they'll be back for another for another season. So her contributions to this UCF volleyball team cannot be understated at all. But Whitney Jones, of course, hitting coach, did a m- magnificent job with softball. It was the, I think that's one of the reasons why. And ended up being a tiebreaker way the way it is. Both of them got four votes, so the fan vote serves as the tiebreaker to get for Jenny Maurer to get the win. Both coaches are very well deserving, and so I'm glad. But Jenny Maurer, I'm glad the volleyball got some spotlight because they did. They, they had a really great season. Historic offense. I mean, McKenna Melville, yeah. number one in the country in score and scoring and points, and of course among there in kills. Amber Olson, the setter of the year. That's Jenny Maurer's offense. She brought him in. Uh, I think that's the difference maker. They were UCF's offense. Might have yeah. been the best in the Dagenet era ever. Not to mention the bigs who also stepped up this year. Claudia yeah. Dillon, who came in you know, from Mizzou, uh, and they're due to have another big year again. Also, w- worth pointing out, all of these votes were taken prior to Whitney Jones uh, leaving for Ohio State. So that did not have any impact on the voting, nor should it. We'll get into that. I have a feeling that'll come up later on. 
<laughs> that may be a factor. It may be a factor later on. Men's team assistant coach of the year. Our nominees uh, for men's coach of the year, a uh, men's assistant coach of the year, Travis Williams, the defensive coordinator for UCF football, Ted Tom, the hitting coach for UCF baseball, and Paul Souders from men's soccer. The winner, it was almost unanimous, not quite, but almost unanimous, and the winner of the fan vote, T. Will, UCF football. Drew, the, the leaps and bounds I thought that UCF's defense made in their first year under T. Will and, Mal- and Coach Malzahn, compared to 2020, huge, huge improvement. Well, not only huge improvement, but there was definitely on the field, but off the field, there was major morale improvements. And you could talk to players, especially during the early parts of, of fall camp and whatnot, about the, the cohesiveness and family. And, and some have said they didn't have that before. As we know, uh, the prior and regime actually had a split hiring head coach was hired separately from the defensive coordinator, both hired by Danny white. So it wasn't like uh, in this case, T will is Gus Melzahn's guy. Randy Shannon was Danny white's guy, not Josh Heupel's guy that actually caused some, some friction in itself. We don't have that now. And he really embraced that and brought family to the table. Yeah. Yeah. You could see, I mean, I think back to that Memphis game in 2020, and the real division that you started to see between the offense and the defense. And I thought that was gone now, you know, and, and, and it's, a, that's a, it's a great point. It's, 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 it's pretty remarkable because, you know, it wasn't all that long ago. Right. And, it feels like a lifetime. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, and that kind of shows you, I think, you know, why T will was the choice. Uh, alumnus of the year, alumnus slash alumna of the year. Uh, this goes to, the uh, former UCF Knight, who's shown uh, who's shown remarkable achievements uh, on uh, on the field of play post their UCF career, our nominees for this award: Gabe Davis of the Buffalo Bills in the NFL, Sean Johnson of NYCFC in MLS, Matthew Wright of the uh, in the NFL, formerly at the Jacksonville Jaguars, and weightlifter Matty Rogers, who made the Olympics. Uh, this one was tough. Our uh, fan, uh, our fan winner was uh, Maddie Rogers, but uh, the overall winner of the award. Uh, this one was pr- again pretty close. Sean Johnson of NYCFC. This was really close between Sean, Gabe, and Maddie. Um, but Sean, I think, won it by by basically one vote. And look, you uh, five. It was five three two. Four three two. Four three two. Yeah. So. Uh, Congrats to Sean. And listen, first UCF player to win an MLS Cup. He was the starting goalkeeper for NYCFC uh, and was absolutely pivotal in their run to the Cup, especially in the championship game. And and Eric, I know you wanted to talk about this. Uh, You know, Sean, we saw that talent a while ago. Like, you know, nearly 15 years ago he was at UCF. He was the highlight, yeah, when he was here with us a couple of years at UCF uh, before going pro. I mean, his game has risen to a different level. I think he's the best goalkeeper in the MLS. He's the best goalkeeper in the United States. He's probably going to get screwed out of the World Cup because of politics. But he's, to me, right now, he's the best UCF pro athlete in any sport. He's played at a high level. Uh, even this year, He's only allowed the second fewest goals in the MLS. He's got a yeah. chance to lead him to back-to-back MLS titles. 
credit to Maddie Rogers and her in the fan vote, by the way. She was tremendous. Yeah. That that's awesome too. Well, this was a record breaking year for the Banny Awards. I mean, I mean, we had just just incredible fan support. So I appreciate the voting on that. On that, but uh, Sean has been incredible, well deserving of the award, uh, edging out Maddie Rogers. I think it was uh, to me either him or Maddie Rogers. I would have been fine with it was close, but uh, uh, Sean has been incredible. I mean, when you get an MLS Cup MVP, I mean, it's hard not to yeah. not to get the win here. In in uh, and you win not just that, but you win the you win the match in PKs with two saves. Yeah, too. I mean, that's. Go, go back and watch that performance, folks, if you want to see what Sean Johnson was able better, to do. Well, you better now before he goes to Apple and nobody sees it. NYC, <laughs> by the way, NY, now in the 2022 MLS season, NYCFC has the second least goals allowed in the entire league. Yep, Sean Johnson. Comeback player of the year. This goes to a UCF athlete who came back from an injury or other sort or other illness that and, uh, and performed uh, above and beyond the call of duty. Our nominees this year for Comeback Athlete of the Year. Uh, there it is. Okay. Diamond Battles from Women's Basketball. Remember, suffered that knee injury at the uh, in the NCAA tournament last year. Kennedy Searcy of Softball, who also suffered a knee injury. Alex Freeland for Baseball. And Trillian Coles for uh, Football, who suffered a, 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 a Achilles injury that was pretty devastating. Um, yeah, this one was tough, you know, because... All these performances were really were really remarkable, and I thought award worthy. But uh, the winner, Diamond Battles of uh, UCF women's basketball. Yes, she's now at University of Georgia, but let's not forget all the things that she was able to do uh, for UCF Intertime here, particularly last year. Defensive Player of the Year in the American, Overall Player of the Year in the American. Um, her place, I think, in UCF basketball's legacy. Um, is solidified, uh, and uh, and Bryson, I want to defer to you just how much you know Diamond really meant to uh, meant to this program. Well, Diamond, I think, because we all were were excited when all, all all of the leading players came back for this season, but Diamond is the leader of that group. She is the one that just leads and facilitates all of the passing and really makes this team work she she's like that she's the one that really controls all the cogs in the machine that coach a built. and her her improvement by the way with the with going beyond the arc that of course also helped as well i mean you can't there's just there's no really words to say how important diamond's contributions were to this team to get to where they are today they, I, I, I think back to that first round game against Northwestern that UCF lost in the NCAA tournament, and when she, you know, she was supposed to be the the uh, the ace in the hole for UCF in that game. When she went down with that injury, I thought, oh man, we're not going to see Diamond Battles for at least a year. And she fought back, got back in time for the start of the season, and was just her best. Self and we bet, wish her the best of luck at the University of Georgia. We're going to miss her a lot. We're going to miss everybody from that team who went to Georgia a lot, but not as much as Kyle will. Not as much as Kyle will. That's right. Hang uh, in there, Kyle. <laughs> uh, breakout athlete of the year. We have a women's and a men's categories for this one. This goes to UCF athlete who really burst onto the scene from one year to the next. Uh, for the women's uh, on the women's side, for breakout athlete of the year, Jada Cody of softball, Amber Olson of volleyball, Destiny Thomas women's basketball, 
Latasha Smith of track and field, and Justine Molina of UCF softball. Those are your nominees. The winner of Women's Breakout Athlete of the Year. I think this was no surprise to anybody. Jada Cody of UCF softball. Eric Lopez, she was a legend this year. That's an understatement. Uh, just a, exploded in the scene in the sport of softball. All-American. Breaking Stephanie Bess's 19-year-old record for RBIs. Nobody's even come close to that uh, prior to Jada Cody. And, you know, me and Bryson have argued off the air about this, whether she should be in this category. The reason she is is, yeah, she was a really good player last year, but she went from a good player to a great player this year to the point where the now... that I said that she went from a good player that only Eric Lopez knows to a great player that every UCF fan knows? You're right. She is probably among the most popular right now female athletes on the UCF campus. Uh, and, of course, just making news this week, joining Team USA. She's going to be the first UCF player ever to play for Team USA, the red, white, and blue, this August against Japan in an all-star series. So yeah. she's breaking barriers, uh, making an All-American, leading them to the postseason. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And that's the senior national team. That's not that's Correct. not the collegiate national team. That's the U.S. senior national team. The senior national team. team. To put that in perspective, I looked this up. There's only been a handful of Team USA uh, UCF players that have played for Team USA, Sean Johnson among them. Uh, right. But the last couple, uh, only been a couple others, that have played for Team USA while being a student athlete. Jada Cody joins Kim Wyant, the goalkeeper for UCF Women's Soccer, and some lady named Michelle Akers. Ever heard of her? She's pretty yeah, good. She, she might have been pretty good back in the day from what I hear. Yeah, pretty um, good company. The uh, men's breakout athlete of the year. Uh, nominees for this award, four of them. Ryan O'Keefe for football. Two baseball guys, Andrew Sunday and Noah Orlando and Teddy T-Tack of Men's Golf, the winner. Uh, and this was, well, no, it wasn't unanimous. It was, but uh, pretty, it, 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 he won the fan vote, as did Jada Cody, by the way. Uh, and I thought this was this was as obvious as it gets. Ryan O'Keefe from UCF Football. Uh, Drew, when Ryan O'Keefe ended his season, uh, you know, what I appreciated was the fact that he, his team asked him to step up, and he did that in spades. When, Dylan Gabriel went down and Mikey Keene took over as the starting quarterback. Gus Malzahn's entire MO on offense was, look, we are going to get the ball to our best playmakers. And remember, Jalen Robinson got hurt too in the same game against Louisville. And the best playmaker on the team at that point was Ryan O'Keefe. And he stepped it up, helped out the true freshman quarterback. And just the cherry on top was that performance in the Gasparilla Bowl. Absolutely. And, and the signs for this were from day one at the spring game where he looked fantastic. And, you know, uh, the player that was supposed to be the number one guy, Jalen Robinson, largely struggled. And it just built from there. You know, he just clicked in the Gus Melzon offense and he took a lot of extra time uh, with Mikey Keen working on building chemistry. You know, that's that's what, you know, the good player to become a great player has to do. And it culminated in uh, in a bowl game where he flat out dominated. I mean, he was everywhere. You had the return yards to it. He had more total yards than any other player on the field, including Florida's quarterback. When you take return yards into, into consideration, I mean, he was all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it was really fun to see him step into that. And, and, it, you know, a lot of times I thought that he knew, you know, as the season went on, I think defenses knew even right away that like, look, this is the guy that Gus is going to get the ball to. And not only did he still manage to get himself 
open and so many opportunities to make plays for this team when they really needed it. You know, he took a lot of hits this year too. He also helped facilitate by being that number one guy. He allowed a guy like Brandon Johnson to become a touchdown machine in the Reds. Yep. Uh, yep. That's, that's not coincidence. Okay. Uh, so there's your two breakout athletes of the year, Jada Cody for the women, Ryan O'Keefe for the men. Now let's move over to senior of the year. This award goes to a player who was in their final year at UCF who, you know, may not have been the biggest contributor statistically, but was somebody who their teammates really respected, was a real leader for their team, and someone who will remember for their contributions uh, as, uh, as a senior member of, uh, of their athletic team. So men's and women's. On the men's side, our nominees for Senior of the Year, Cole Schneider for football, Noah Orlando for baseball, men's golf, Teddy Titak, and Mauricio Villalobos of men's soccer. And the winner of the Men's Senior of the Year Award, uh, also the winner of the fan vote, Noah Orlando of uh, UCF Baseball, an Orlando native for the city, right? Edgewater High School graduate, was a uh, was a two-year uh, player at Palm Beach State College, came back home, uh, and in his final year, uh, hit 322, 26 runs, batted in, eight homers, seven doubles, uh, and uh, in 54 games, and, you know, was really kind of the... The, uh, and I'll go to Bryson on this one. He was really the linchpin of UCF's lineup, both at bat and in the field, too. Oh, yeah. Noah, in a year where the bats were a little slow to get started, Noah was one of the few batters that were going from day one. I I was very, impre- very impressed with how much he really kind of broke out. That's why he was nominated for break, for breakout athlete, breakout athlete, because he basically went from not being a mainline starter at all before this season. Noah only, ha- only had 20 starts total. Yeah. And then yeah. he had and and last then- year he hit one eleven. Yeah. Yeah. And in th- yep. In 30 games, 11 starts, he hit one eleven, And now he goes and hits three twenty two in his senior season. He made the most out of his final season and and coach lovely was able to get him in the lineup he was a dh a lot this year but he but one of the main things that i think really helped is that he served as the backstop when alex freeland was out for over four months with his injury he played 19 times at shortstop at shortstop this year when alex freeland went down and as alex mentioned when we talked to him upon his return he did a great job doing it and so he he proved to be a, a guy that stepped up when the team needed him to. And I think that really deserves him, not only for being nominated for breakout and doing solid with that award, but I think senior of the year is where he truly shines because when the younger player got hurt, the the elder guy was like, all right, I'll take, I'll take over and I'll keep it warm for you. All right. So congratulations to Noah. Job well done. Uh, on this uh, senior year for him as well, women's senior of the year. This was a uh, this was a volleyball and softball heavy category. Two softball players, Gianna Mancha and Denali Schapacher. Two volleyball players in Anne Marie Watson and Narissa Moravec, and one basketball player in Masani Kaba. The winner of women's senior athlete of the year. Uh, believe it or not, her teammate won the fan vote, but she won the overall vote. Denali Schapacher won the fan vote, but the winner of the award overall, Gianna Mancha, Eric Lopez, who uh, stepped in and, and 
has already started her professional career. Yeah, she's been playing in the WPF for the Vipers. In fact, this week she faced off against Monica Abbott, the Monica Abbott in a pitcher's duel. So that's a cool story for her to say. She's been pitching very well. By the way, this is a loaded – all the women's categories. This, this was hard. Just, this one was oh, really my hard. Goodness. Uh, you mentioned Denali. Well-deserved. Top 10 in the all the categories. The Sarasota News picked it up. <laughs> so this, this is a big, big story there. But Gianna's a great choice, too. I mean – Obviously, was the ace of the team. And as anybody that's followed UCF softball, it always starts in the circle and pitching. And uh, as we're going to see in this episode, pitching was a big, big, was rewarded. And it started with Gianna Macha. She was the ace. She threw a couple no-hitters. She set the tone. Uh, it was had an incredible year, the best year of her career, and helped them lead to all the success with conference championships and the postseason run. Yeah. We're going to miss her. She was fantastic uh, for you. Shout out to uh, uh, Anne-Marie Watson and Narissa Moravic, who were phenomenal. I mean, Watson, a local one as well. Yeah. Uh, in that category. Yeah, this, High School. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, we always say this every year, but this year we really do it looking back. This is the strongest year. When you look at the women's categories, very tough to pick. And a lot of these categories was very highly debated and very close voting. Maybe the closest ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. And I think that continues on also with the Freshman of the Year awards uh, as well. We'll start with the Women's Freshman of the Year award. Our nominees, Ashley Griffin for softball, Sophia Viole of women's tennis, Zoe Alau of women's golf, and another softball player, Michaela Macario. Uh, for the Freshman of the Year, boy, this one was another tight one between your UCF uh, softball players, but the winner goes to, uh, the win goes to uh, Ashley Griffin. She won the fan vote. And she won the uh, staff vote as well. And it was the fans who gave her uh, the nod with that tiebreaker, Eric Lopez. But, you know, again, this was a really, this was another really, really tough one uh, for all of us here on these, on these women's awards categories. What a year for women's sports at UCF. Tell me about it. I stayed up till three in the morning to figure this out. Um, <laughs> so look, I mean, Michaela, Michaela McCarty won the freshman of the year in the American. But if you look at the postseason, and I think this is where the fans kind of were influenced. Ashley Griffin had a heck of a postseason, hit nearly 400. Uh, he was a really quiet, like, yes. important yes. part of that lineup late in the season. No doubt. After the first month of the season where she kind of was learning, you know, playing in a Division One level, she took it to a different level. She would have these quiet big hits. You know, I think back to the RBI double to tie the game against Virginia Tech to set up the extra inning drama. Uh, even in the postseason, she hit the home run against Michigan in the in the regional final to really kind of break the game open and push the cushion. Yeah, what she a moment dro- that was, too. She drove in to run to get him on the board in the winner's bracket game against Michigan. She just had big hits in the postseason run. Uh, Macario defensively was fantastic. You could have given it to any of these players, but you know, I think Griffin's a well-deserved uh, winner on this yeah. award. Uh, men's freshman of the year. This one was also pretty tough, and we had some uh, good diversity here in this. Mikey Keene, quarterback for UCF football. Uh, Lex Bodecker of baseball and Andrew Sundin from baseball. And Darius Johnson of uh, men's basketball. Uh, in the final vote for uh, men's freshman of the year, this one was pretty tight. Uh, went 4-3-2, but the winner from UCF men's basketball, Darius Johnson and uh, Bryson you know, it was a – maybe this year did not end the way that – uh, well, we know for a fact it did not end the way that, that the fans wanted for UCF men's basketball. But one of the main – especially with a lot of movement on this roster, but one of the the key cog that 
there that Johnny Dawkins is building this team around is that young point guard Darius Johnson. He showed a he showed such tremendous growth throughout the course of the season, didn't he? Oh yeah. So the this, in my opinion, is the strongest male men's category in this Bannies because when you look at uh, when you look at Sundin, Johnson, Keen, and Bodecker. All of them, I think, show, show, did such great jobs in their first year, and I can't wait to see what they will do in the future. But in the case of Darius, I think Darius had proved how indispensable and at the core he is to this, to this team growth. I mean, when you look at the players, because men's basketball has basically made a really huge shift in the roster this season – some of the, the there are not many people from last teams that stayed, but one of the key ones that did were Darius Johnson and and also CJ Walker. Which, if you remember from earlier in the season when things got a little bit heated on the bench, Darius Darius was the one that separated CJ Walker from the rest of the from the rest of the thing. And I think that really showcases how much I think respect that he's gotten with CJ and the yeah. bond between them. And not just I him, but the rest of the team too. You could tell oh, that the team that the eighteen-year-old kid—they really by the end of the season, you could see how much they really respected his ability and his leadership on the floor. Oh yes, I've been here. I, I believe, I, if I remember correctly, people have been talking about how he plays like a veteran, and I think that that's a, a big moniker for why he got this got this award. It's just his first season, but he's playing like a veteran. And now that he, now that the rest of the seniors are have now re- exhausted their eligibility or left elsewhere, he can now really take that leadership control of this of this team. And I think we can see this unit gel much better than I think they did last year. Yeah, and it's all because job. and it's all because of Darius. Uh, let's let's move over to transfers of the year. Men's transfer of the year are nominees in that award category. Brandon Johnson for football, Connor Stain for baseball, Sheik Mbake Zhang of men's basketball, and Nick Taylor of men's soccer. This is a really strong category too. I think we had some really good performances for some transfers this year. Um, the winner, however, of men's transfer athlete of the year, he won the fan vote and he won the overall vote as well. And uh, I'm really gonna miss this guy because he was really he was really fun to watch. And uh, Drew, you mentioned it before, Brandon Johnson, wide receiver for UCF football, took advantage of the, you know the attention that Ryan O'Keefe was getting on the other side of the field to score 11 touchdowns on 38 catches, 565 yards. Actually managed to sneak himself, I think, into the top 15 all time at UCF in touchdown catches in just one season. Uh, the son of the great Charles Johnson. Uh, former MLB catcher Eric Lopez, Florida Miami Marlins fan, very big fan of that guy. I'm a huge, I was a huge Charles Johnson fan. One of one of the biggest thrills, in fact, after senior night when I went down and I, I actually met Brandon and his dad Charles, and I was like Charles Johnson. And he was and he was like surprised that, he, that I kind of recognized him. I was, and and I had a really good conversation with the two of them, father and son, and um and. And I told them they both laughed at this. I was like, "It's like it's nice to be in a family that's known for catching things uh, and has a natural ability to do that for for sure." And Brandon Johnson really did that in spades this year, Drew. He was fantastic. Well, we and we knew he can do it. He did. He had a good sophomore year, I believe. He was team leader in receiving at Tennessee before he kind of got stuck in the doghouse. <clears throat> Come over to UCF, played a very pivotal senior role 
he was going to be the number three wide out and moved up when, when Jalen Robinson went down and never gave it up. And it was because he was so dependable, especially yeah. in the red zone, you know, 11 receiving touchdowns. And you look at the, that number and it just jumps out of the page. He, he was dependable. And when you have a freshman quarterback who's, you know, still working on letting the game slow down, still trying to build confidence, dependability is the best thing you can offer. And he made a lot of tough catches, a lot of good sideline catches that he's tiptoeing in there. He was uh, Chris know. Cartering his way to the end zone a lot of times there, you know. And that's what you want from a from a fifth year senior receiver who's playing with a true freshman quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You got to help your guy out because that's going to build his confidence. Well, and and the thing is, you know, the quarterback's job throw it where either the receiver gets it or nobody gets it, and he's just one of those guys who's able to make very difficult catches, and the results speak for themselves. Yeah. So congrats to Brandon. Very Johnson fitting, by the way. Very fitting. 25 years ago, the old man, Charles Johnson, wins the World Series for the Marlins against a team we won't mention who they beat. Start to close your <sighs> turn on. <laughs> and now his son wins a Banny's Award. Huh? 25 years apart. I know. I know. It's something. I'll tell can you. we take the award back now so if, we can, if we can switch the World Series? No. Nope. <laughs> no. It's too late. It's too late. That's not going to happen. Uh, women's Transfer of the Year, our nominees uh, in this category uh, Kama Woodall of softball, Claudia Dillon of volleyball, Brittany Floyd of track and field, and Janisha Rowe for softball. Again, two softball players. And sometimes, Eric Lopez, I get a little worried when we see two players from the same team, kind of, you know, because you, you think, oh man, they're going to kind of like take votes from one another. Sure. Not in this case. Kama Woodall uh, was the winner of the fan vote, the winner of the overall vote. And uh, by the way, we'll talk a little bit more about her later in the later in the program. Um, but uh, wow, what a uh, what a great year she was, and she peaked at the right time. The two greatest UCF one year transfers, Mike Hughes football, Kama Woodall softball. Kama Woodall is the Mike Hughes of softball. They don't. I mean, they, she she was nine and nineteen at East Carolina. So this was not like a highly touted, hey, wow, what a big move. Wasn't really all her fault, though, to be fair. No, as we found out. Um, (laughs) But she just was incredible. She was like a co-number one with Mancha. She was the perfect complement to Mancha in the one-two punch. This team does not accomplish all the goals they do without her. She, In fact, she won the uh, a must win at Wichita State game two after they lost the Friday night game. They have to win that game. If they don't win that game, Wichita State are, are the conference champions. She oh, hell holds Wichita State to one run in what is c- considered the course field of softball in Wichita where you can hit a pop-up for a home run and then comes in relief and closes it out to win the regular season title. She then pitches and gets a shout out against the rival South Florida in East Carolina, Jeff, in her return to win the conference tournament. We won't even get into what she did in the po- in the regionals because that's coming later. That's called a tease. But a- an incredible impact uh, for her. Yeah, and it was fun to watch her pitch late in the year. And, you know, like I said, we'll hear a little bit more from her uh, in uh, in a little bit. Our la- We're going to take a break in a little bit, but our last award that we're going to pass out before our break uh, we're going to do the photo of the year. Now, I know this is a podcast. And it's, it's impossible for us to actually show you the photos, but I do encourage you to take a look at our nominees. Both of our photographers this year, uh, Noah Goldberg and, of course, Derek Warden, uh, were remarkable at a bunch of different events. Um, they, the two, I'm so thankful for the two of them because they are both true artists. 
with their with their lenses and uh, we had them each nominate three what they thought were their three best photos from the year um we we all voted on which one was the best we had the fans vote on which one was the best i heard i highly encourage you to ch- go check them out uh there were some really really amazing photos that they put put forth but one of them captured one of the great moments uh which was uh, a photo of uh came and shannon doherty celebrating ucf winning the regional eric lopez right after the final out and it just ca- it to me that captured just the unbridled joy of not just winning but doing something for the first time in program history it's there's a little bit of there's a little bit of every emotion in there like the sh- uh, not just the joy but the shock of it like oh my god we really just did this didn't we right and no question and that, it's a great picture taken and then look at the two people involved, Shannon Doherty, who basically told the coaches after UCF uh, was not going to host the American Conference Tournament because the league took it away from them. He's like, they're not going to be able to take away us hosting a regional. They set that goal and then came all, you know, Doherty set the tone, as we'll talk about later in the year in the opener. And here's came Woodall throwing the last pitch. And both of them, it's it's really fitting in a lot of ways that those two in the photo because it's it really tells a lot of the story of this team's uh, team 21, as they call it, for UCF softball in 2022, a historic team. So many good photos that the, that these two guys had, and they really and there were some that were not even yeah. uh, even added to this. There was a lot of feedback, right. like where is the uh, people wanted the O'Keefe photo from Gasparilla that that Noah took. I know, I, I, you know, I'm, and we too were like, Noah, why don't we put that one? And and this this goes to show you how you know how serious these guys take it. You know, Noah was like, you know, what, I get it, but I don't feel like mine was the best of all the photos of that moment, you know. And so I, he's like, I, I just and and I and I left it to them. I was like, you guys nominate the photos that you that you want. And he's like, I you know I, I know that was a great moment that I captured, but I didn't quite capture it as well as as others as others did and he just didn't feel and he didn't feel comfortable with it but uh, you know i respect that tremendously because it shows you how good these two guys are uh at what they do so guys make sure you follow them follow the noah goldberg and underscore ds warden on twitter they're amazing art and on instagram too all right we're gonna take a break when we return eric drew bryson and i will be back for some team awards a few more individual awards including the big ones game of the year athletes of the year Teams of the year when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast and the 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Award Show. Stick around, we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, the 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Awards. I'm Jeff Sharon. Eric Lopez is with me, along with Andrew Glukoff and Bryson Turner. We continue with our awards uh, with the men's and women's individual performances of the year. These are uh, games which uh, where one person just kind of took over and showed us how great they truly are. All right, we'll start with the men. Uh, Individual performance of the year on the men's side. 
Ryan O'Keefe in the Gasparilla Bowl, which we kind of mentioned earlier. Connor Stain, seven innings to shut out ball against Ole Miss. Uh, we kind of we kind of broke the rules a little bit on this one. Darren Green and Brandon Mahan against Michigan, going eight for eight from three point range in the second half. Uh, Jorge Conpoy's uh, hat trick against Florida Gulf Coast for men's soccer, and the doubles pair of Cronhay and White beating the number one pair in their first match together uh, in men's tennis against Ohio State. The winner in the men's individual performance of the year. This one was a little bit tighter than people thought, but I think we all knew who was really going to win it. The winner of the fan vote, the winner of the overall vote, Ryan O'Keefe in the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, Drew, when you look back at that single performance, that was obviously his crowning achievement uh, from last year. But the other thing is with, uh, I mean, it was it was a complete performance running the ball, catching the ball, and returning kicks for Ryan O'Keefe. That's correct. You know, if you add all his total yards, you end up with 250 total, 251 total yards because he did have two kickoff returns for 56 yards. Uh, the next highest person was Emory Jones of Florida, you know, the quarterback with only 233. <laughs> he outgained everybody on the field. So, I mean, that just shows how a dominating performance he had in that game. He, he, he put his mark everywhere, you know. Uh, being you know, scoring touchdowns, he did have a uh, you know a touchdown catch, uh, making a big run, you know, seventy-four yard rush, um, you know, because he ended up with four carries for one hundred ten yards. So I mean, he was he was busy. He had the second most carries on the team, and you know, anytime he got the ball, things happened, and they couldn't stop him. They Florida had no answer for Ryan O'Keefe, none. Yeah, one hundred ninety-five yards uh, from scrimmage in that game. Over, I think it was what over two hundred and fifty yard all purpose yards in that two hundred fifty one all purpose yards game yeah. high did it all did it all and scored the the uh, what turned out to be the cherry on top touchdown in that game uh, as well women's individual performance of the year our nominees uh, for this award McKenna Melville with a twenty seven and twenty eight against Florida State uh, for UCF volleyball. Brittany Smith in the first round game against uh, Florida with a fan- with a career high of 26 points. Track two track nominees here: Brittany Floyd breaking a 19-year-old heptathlon record, and Renaya Jones winning three gold medals in the American Indoor Championships. Women's golf: Pat Pidden setting a 54-hole record. Kama Woodall her 11-inning performance against Michigan in the NCAA's. A lot of nominees here. Jada Cody her two home runs in the game before that against Villanova. This one was tough. Not gonna lie, this, we talked about how tough it was with all the for to pick which was the best individual performance or women's sports this year. Uh, but in the women's individual performance, Kama Woodall won the fan vote and won the overall vote with that in eleven inning. How many pitches did she throw in that game again? One eighty one. One eighty one. One hundred and eighty one pitches in eleven innings against the Michigan Wolverines, getting UCF the second win of the regional and really and. and that was that was the moment in uh, in that extra inning game. Probably, it, and it's a nominee, obviously, for game of the year. But what an individual performance! Came Woodall got it done. Let ten strikeouts, only gave up the two runs, gave his her team a chance until they finally figured out offensively uh, Michigan's pitching at the end of the game. But the I mean to do it beat two All American pitchers because Michigan threw both their aces Duraco and Bobian in that game and Bryson you were the media you were in the stands how hot was it there? 
It was so hot that I ended up getting a sunburn on my face and it registered a low grade fever afterwards. It was it was Florida heat at its worst, honestly. So while Bryson was struggling in those conditions, Kamo was actually in getting better during the game in the conditions. Remarkable <laughs> performance for Kamo Woodall. Uh, a legendary performance that will be remembered for a long time for those that were in attendance or watched on ESPN too. No doubt about it. Gosh, uh, put that on the put that on the uh, uh, on UCF day on ESPNU, right? Give me mm -hmm. that game right there. Uh, we move over to uh, story of the year. This one, I you know was it was it's pretty obvious how this one went. Um, but there were a lot of really good stories. But if you're going to pick what's the biggest story of the year in UCF athletics, there really is only one. The three nominees were uh, were UCF basketball, women's basketball, finally breaking through and winning the American Athletic Conference for the first time. Orlando hosting the NCAA softball regional and UCF getting the victory, of course, which we've talked about. Uh, and then UCF winning or finally getting their invitation to the Big 12 Conference. Believe it or not, hey, this is one of those things where like the, the fan vote from UCF softball, man, did they come to play? Because softball actually won the fan vote. Yeah, riding the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> riding the but, wave baby but this is this is why this is why the fan vote only gets one vote out of all of us and like sometimes we as a staff have to step in and be like listen this is the big story of the year and it's UCF going to the Big 12 conference and uh, Drew I want to get you in on this you and I have talked many times about UCF's conference affiliation shenanigans over the years uh this is this is the big story we we for years have said one day UCF is going to reach the the biggest of the big time, and now they're there. You can make an argument that, and granted, it's kind of young. This could be the story of the decade for UCF. Uh, when you look at where they started in 1990 in Division One in the American South, America South and fold in, merge into the Sun Belt, and then it kind of goes from there to the uh, uh, to the A Sun to you know with the back and the football to Conference U to American. Uh, the progression that happened from this little teeny commuter school in Orlando to the largest school in the country with the most beds on campus in any state school, in other words, not a commuter school, the transformation from child to adult has been nothing short of amazing to watch in real time. You know, we got, we got, we all are either have or are currently experiencing parts of it. And to see it all culminate and getting brought into a power conference with, you know, that has uh, a payday that's going to dwarf anything UCF's ever had. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's life-changing for the school. We know that a good athletic program yields benefits in other areas for the school when it comes to like applications and, and quality of students stuff, it matters. So this matters, not only in athletics, it matters outside of athletics. This helps elevate the school profile to the next level. Not just within the school, like you were saying, but it's, you know, UCF was a curiosity. When you talk, I, I, it's hard for us kind of to perceive this. And Eric, I want to get you in on this. You know, we in the UCF Orlando sphere of influence know what this school's about, right? But when you talk about nationally speaking, Right? And we're starting to see that with some of our newer friends from the Big 12 who we've been interacting with on social media. The thought, it, you know, UCF was more or less still a curiosity 
even as late as 2017-2018 during the 25-game uh, football winning streak. Now, people are going to know, right, Eric? Like, this is – when you're well, part yeah, of this, it, you're part of the big time. It's the success they've had on the field, the credit to the players and the coaches and the administration. You know, Danny Waite, obviously, uh, they've made all this happen on the field because – there's a reason why UCF is going to be in the Big 12 and South Florida is not. Uh, and I think a big part of that is the commitment to success on the field with facilities and also the success they've had on the field uh, there. So this is uh, obviously significant. Now, Drew, I'm a little su- disappointed at you. I figured, because I would argue, is this the biggest story? Are we going to the Big 12? Are we going to the Big 14? Are we going to the Big 16, Drew? I mean, where, well, where- I mean they do have the Big 16 yeah. trademarked. There you go. They've had that. They had that. Wait, I thought somebody else had that trademark. No, it's the Big Twelve Conference has it. Uh, they trademarked it years ago, so I mean, it it can it can happen, uh, and it still might. And you know, this story we thought it was it was cut and dry, and uh, we thought it was okay. UCF's joined the Big Twelve. Boom. Then this whole thing with the Pac twelve happened, and now it's like, okay, well, which what are we getting? Uh, what version are we getting? And short of anything really ridiculous happen, which no nothing points towards it, UCF is going to end up in this much nicer conference uh, with much nicer staff uh, um, you know, status and stature, and they may be bringing some guys from the West along. I mean, this is becoming a na- you know we, they talked about when the American was forming, looking at becoming a nationwide conference. No, this is on the verge of becoming a nationwide conference. Uh, barely missing on the Pacific time zone, but close enough with, with, you know, the Arizona schools that you can throw a pebble and you're in the Pacific time zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing to keep in mind is remember 2016 big 12 looked into expanding and you had this dog and pony show that UCF had to do along with, you know, Memphis and South Florida and Tulane and all these other schools. Typos were made. Yeah. Research was not (laughs) properly done. Typos were made. And the, but the truth is, I guarantee you the stuff from that was remembered because aside from the, the on-field resume that UCF has developed in recent years, and that resume has been nothing short of fantastic, uh, there was an aggressive off-the-field plan that has only exponentially jumped since Terry Mahajer took over, but there were, mm-hmm. it was aggressive to begin with. And I guarantee you that the aggressiveness that the UCF administration had towards development and growth played a role in the positive view that the Big 12 had. Because, you know, obviously you don't want complacency. That's what hurts South Florida now is they were complacent. And now you're seeing all these changes in indoor practice fields coming up. You know, it's only 15 years after UCF had one. Uh, on-campus stadiums coming up. Uh, you know, it's all, well, it, it, you know, you're looking at, you know, 15 year old, 17, 40. Oh, look, give them credit better late than never. And it's going to pay off because, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to battle FAU for bragging well, rights in the American. It's because they're seeing, the, <laughs> it's, you're seeing the results of, of what positive facilities right. planning has on the flip sure. side, UCF getting locked out of the big East when USF gets involved, you know, UCF starts looking at maybe that garage of an arena is not the answer, which it certainly wasn't. And that, that well, on a probably- credit to Steve Orsini never gets brought up. I know, you know, you know, 
he kind of helped set up those facilities, hired George O'Leary, who obviously kind of put football, really kind of put UCF uh, on the, you know, up to date as far as what Division One football was about, right? Like to me, George O'Leary's accomplished uh, contributions are off the field more than on the field because UCF was behind the times prior to George O'Leary as far as division, yeah. what it takes to be uh, a, a success, uh, successful football well, program in Division One. UCF, well, look at the program when, when he got here. They were a bad MAC program, a bad MAC program uh, that had no discipline whatsoever. And then you look at the other sports, they were an ASUN quality department. And the Atlantic Sun back then was a very low, uh, low major. You know, UCF, I think, I think the, the conference best... rankings in men's basketball, the ASUN was the lowest at the time. Uh, I, I one of the bottom. Uh, they may not have been yeah. the bottom, but they were close to it. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I think UCF's highest seed in the NCAA tournament was 14th. You know, you know, 14 seed. I mean, that's, right as an auto bid from the A yeah, Sun. That's but, terrible. But, but but that's another person that should get credit for this is Johnny Dawkins for giving men's basketball credibility with the Big 12 because the Big 12 loves basketball. A lot of basketball schools there. They're very picky about it. That also helped because yes, football is, drives all this. But the other sports being solid and successful helps this. It's you can't, well, you're not yeah. getting in on just one sport. UCF went, I think, three years with every team having winning records. Yes, you know, great stuff. Men's yeah. basketball has kind of squeaked through in that la- the last that last season, but three years in a row, every program had a winning record. That that matters. You know, you're you're creating a culture of winning. You know, uh, and like we talked about when George Larry took over, they they had a bad culture. The football program, they also didn't know how to win. I mean, we made a joke about UCF in games where they'd find ways to lose, you know, take defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, that was a culture at UCF back then, and and that changed. You know, once UCF moved on campus, the entire dynamic of the athletic program changed. Uh, the attitude changed, the fan support changed. It was just, even though UCF had a winless season in fifteen, the wheels fell off. The you know, it nothing like two thousand four where you had to drive 20 minutes after the game. Well, and people still went to the games. People, I don't think the fan base has gotten enough credit for the support they still gave the football team that year in 15, where it was winless. That was an unwatchable team, honestly. Uh, And there were still, I went to those games, Drew, there were still 30, 40,000, 30,000 people uh, going when really, you know, in other places, they probably would have had five people going to the games. I was one of them. I was a season ticket holder yeah. from 2006 to 2016 uh, when my uh, seats got converted. So, yeah. so uh, yeah. you know, so this has been years all. in the making. This has been years yeah. in the making. It's the biggest story of the year off the field. And I think the softball, by real quick on the softball, that's the biggest on the field story uh, as far as 20 years on the making of winning a regional. So it's pretty two giant stories. But yeah, the Big 12 story, obviously. And it'll, that'll continue to be a big story as this conference evolves and then step on the field in about a year. Yeah. The other thing too, is that, you know, we're going to see, I think that the, the next couple of big stories that we're going to see are going to be part and parcel of this particular story. For example, the TV contract, what happens in UCF's final year in the American, what happens when UCF finally joins the big 12, which teams become that surprise team. Future scheduling will be future scheduling will be a big one. There's so many, it's just a branch of stories that we're going to see. Bryson has one more word. Go ahead, Bryson. Yes, sorry. Uh, Drew, uh, Drew, I forgot I unmuted myself for a second. Drew, uh, you mentioned that 0-15 team and how the fan support still remained there. I still have this this tweet on my de- on my desktop. 
it's um that that showed a photo of what it said is uh now UCF tight end Max Holler the tw- the brother of Alec Holler holding up a sign at, as he was attending the UC the UCF USF game saying I'd rather be O and twelve than have a USF diploma. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, like I just I just think that's such a great example of like the fan base staying behind this team during such a a down year from a record standpoint and their 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 dedication was rewarded absolutely you look at at the numbers the worst attendance that year was east carolina with twenty three thousand seven thirty four. you go to oh four which was the other you know winless there's there are some other teams twelve thousand eighty three kent state at the end of the year by the way that was being charitable i was at that game oh i was at that game i was in the marching band i was on the field and there could not have been more than six thousand people. It was people raining there. too. I mean, it was, it was it terrible. Was it was an bad awful weather. Day. The but yeah, you know, let's just show you twenty three thousand people. There are some MAC teams who, in a good year, when they're having a good year, you know, at other there were a lot of other G five. They they don't draw. You're being kind. Nobody in the MAC. Yeah, you're being kind. Nobody in the MAC draws. Yeah, nobody of that. Draws. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, you look at like Eastern Michigan, Ball State. You know, these schools they can't draw. U- UCF when they were winless and this was a bad winless team. It wasn't like the 15 team, which was really talented, just had no, no leadership. This was just a bad team where you had your best offensive players having to play defense, uh, still getting 12,000. And we know they talk about the whole 15,000 line. Uh, but I, you know, they still, they had 20, they all had over 20,000 for homecoming yeah. on a, on a now bad imagine, team. Now imagine what we're going to have this year. Oh yeah. You know, with, are there going to be some expectations? I mean, this is going to, our last year in the American, this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. They're on the ver- they're very close to selling out all season tickets. I know they're very close on the line. They haven't announced a sellout, so they still got a few left. But I mean, they're close. They're real yeah. close. So that takes us to the game of the year. These are the big awards. I think these next eight, the seven awards. These are the big ones uh, to me. Or the next eight awards: right? game of the year, play of the year, moment of the year, the male and female athlete of the year, and the men's and women's team of the year and we had we split game of the year into two men's and women's men's game of the year i think this one was probably pretty easy we had the gasparilla bowl for football the boise state game the season opener for football people forget how good that game was uh the uh baseball's win over number two ole miss uh at home in extra innings and of course men's basketball beating juan howard and michigan in the uh in uh <clears throat> or at home and the winner here i think it's pretty obvious these are all really fun games to be at fun games to attend but the gasparilla bowl was more than just a game i mean it was uh it was it was phenomenal it was a uh, it was a cultural event here in the state of florida uh and for ucf to get that victory drew um in in the fashion that they did, okay, you know, so the game didn't have like the most spectacular finish of the, it, it, ever, but we will remember that game as long as we live. The day UCF finally beat Florida, absolutely. You know, the third time they got a chance at them, the first time away from the swamp, and you know, fans of the opposing side can make all the excuses they want. You play to win Lord the knows game. Lord knows they're good at it. Yeah, they're very good at it. But you play to win the game, and Herm Edwards has that nailed down. Uh, you know, UCF, I think the score was not as close as the game was close than the game really was. I mean, UCF uh, played a real physical game. They were spirited. 
yeah. the fans dominated were into the it. second half physically. That that fourth quarter, they you know, beat where, them where, into a pulp. Beat yeah, that where the offensive line took over. And go back and watch the highlights, guys, because that was an offense. That was an offensive line imposing their will on Florida. Well, and it's because of Isaiah Bowser. I mean, you know, he's a bruising back, and they rode him hard. Uh, over 30 carries. I mean, he he worked. First game back after the injury. Well, yeah, not he, really his first he, game back. It was best, most action since that injury. He, he had th- he had a few weeks. He had a couple weeks, what, two and a half weeks of rest to to really get back and do it. So, I mean, he was in about as good shape as he's been all year. Uh, I mean, he he looks great. The team looked great. And and that was the style of ball we were hoping to see all year because that was the style of ball when, when they didn't have it. Teams didn't respect the running game. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when things struggled when Mikey Keene was first as a, as you know, on his quarterback and it, they were having to rely on him more than they needed to. It's because the running game was so ineffective. You got the bruiser third, you know, it's, it's like the Navy idea, you know, but the goal is third into the fourth quarter, you've worn down that defense and you're just going to beat it into them and ram it down their throat. That's what UCF did. And it became very successful in the second half. Gosh. You know, I, I, whenever I'm in a bad mood, I just flip on the YouTube of that game, and I feel and I feel much better. Gotta heat those, beat those hated Gators. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel much better. About it. Go ahead. You quickly, know what Bryce. those two football nominations have in common, though? Isaiah Bowser having an absolutely phenomenal game, and he's ba- and he's back next year. He, I swear, if he had been playing a full year healthy, he would be nominated for transfer of the year. Well, probably, probably, probably athlete of the year. Yeah, I mean, he would be up there. Yeah, the injuries cost him. Yeah, it would have been a what if they're athlete of the year. But hey, he's back this year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Hey, thunder and lightning, man. Johnny Richardson and Isaiah Bowser. This is going to be fun. If they can stay healthy, this is going to be a good ride. Women's game of the year. We had some good ones in this this category. Uh, Softball beating Michigan in 11 innings in the uh, NCAA region, which we talked about. Women's basketball, the American Athletic Conference championship game against USF. That was one of the most intense basketball games I think I can ever remember uh, UCF playing. Uh, The outdoor American Athletic Conference championship in track and field. Uh, Women's basketball's first round victory over Florida at UConn. And softball, boy, there were a number of softball games we could have picked. Well, we picked two of them. Obviously, the uh, Michigan win, but also their walk-off win in the season opener against nationally ranked Georgia, uh, women's game of the year. The winner, uh, and I think this was easy, from the fan vote, and we agreed with them, uh, the 11-inning victory over Michigan. Dramatic Eric Lopez, national TV, 11 innings. We talked about how great Kama Woodall was. The, the the extra innings, it was just... it. You and I have said this before. It, that game encapsulates what what has made college softball... The, the the sport of the moment right now in college sports, I think. It, it is really having a moment right now. The edge-of-your-seat drama in that atmosphere for the entire time, especially in extra innings when UCF finally you know came back, tied the game, and then finally won it in extras. Um, you, you, could cut the, you could cut the intensity with a knife, and it was just a wonderful day of sports. It was, and considering what was at stake. It was a winner's bracket game. The winner was going to the regional final. You knew what the forecast was weather-wise that whoever lost that game was probably going to have an uphill battle because odds are they weren't going to be able to play later that day, which means they would have had to play multiple games on Sunday. It would have been a long, long run. And here we are, bottom of the seventh. UCF's down their last out, last strike. Matty Bejarano 
ties the game up with a base hit to right center. They go to extra innings. She wins it past first baseline to win it. The euphoria in the building uh, was incredible. It's to me, when you look at the biggest sporting events in the history of UCF on campus, yep. USF win Black Friday, the Memphis uh, conference title wins 17 and 18. Men's soccer against Missouri State 2019, the Gal Jennings Golden Goal, and this game. Those are, to me, your Mount Rushmore's of all-time wins on campus in UCF. That's their first – they win that game, set them up to win the regional and advance to the first time in front of a packed house. It's the bit, the greatest win in the history of the program. It was a game that nobody that ever watched it, which was a big number on ESPN2, uh, will ever forget, and a big crowd, too, in the, in the, in the complex. What a moment. What a moment it was for the Drew, it's nothing better than beating Michigan, is it? <laughs> oh, man, I, I have certain words I want to say, and I'm not allowed well, you, to. I, I want your perspective, because you're not a softball person, but you, you, you're you a UCF person. You, you are an it. Ohio State fan also, well, so you must I mean, have enjoyed well, that. I can't say I'm not a softball person. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a softball aficionado, but you know, I, I watch a lot more it's softball, softball than I do Loach. soccer. I'll be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. I watch a lot more softball than – I actually watch more softball than I do uh, baseball. Oh, welcome aboard. Thank you. But uh, that's not new. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, anytime that Michigan loses makes my warm heart beat faster. I mean, that's just, that's just beautiful, especially in dramatic fashion. And after they won, you know, the Wolverines beat UCF earlier in the year. So there was in clear revenge water, yeah. on the mind. Yeah, correct. And then they beat him again. Beat him again. Beat him twice. By the way, Michigan, a, a legacy program with Carol Hutchins, the all-time winniest coach in the history of college softball. So, I mean, it's not like we beat, you know, some random program. We beat a marquee, legendary program to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, by the way, good year for UCF beating Michigan in sports, huh? I mean, shout Isn't out it? to men's basketball. Beating one of the great second halves in the history of men's basketball. Kyle Nash, I, I want to re- represent him on that because him and I still can't get over that game. And one of the most thrilling second halves, UCF Michigan basketball as well. I think that's the him. most dominant half of any sport I've ever seen. Mm. Amazing. As, yeah, gosh, there's such good moments this year, some of them. Uh, in, speaking of moments, play of the year. We're going to get to play of the year and moment of the year. But first, play oh, of the year. I, I thought you were going to yeah. go somewhere else there, Jeff. The. Uh, <laughs> The play of the year, we have uh, five nominees here uh, for uh, play of the year. And a little bit of a surprise, but um, Darren Green's buzzer beater against ECU. Shannon Doherty's walk-off. This probably could have been like the all-Shannon Doherty category with all of her walk-off homers. But uh, her, we chose her walk-off homer against Georgia in the season opener. Diamond Battles' game-winning reverse layup against Arkansas for women's basketball. Riley Wash's walk-off hit against number two Ole Miss that capped off that game. And uh, Savannah Adams' pinch hit home run against Houston. There were a lot of good, these are some really, you know, really huge plays. But the winner of the fan vote and the overall vote, Shannon Doherty's home run and a bat flip for the ages against, uh, against, against Georgia. Eric, that made like national social media headlines, Shannon Doherty's uh, home run against Michigan on opening night. And it still is. In fact, that play right that play right now has advanced to the American Conference Play of the Year in the final. They're in the final round next week. Shannon Doherty's out here wielding so much social media clout. It's, it's really incredible. something to behold right now. Hey, you got to point out though that that single play nearly won for Call of the Year 
Naturally, yeah, yeah. The guy blows Not, a night. Oh, all right, cool. Whatever. Yeah, the guy, up. the guy did a pretty good job uh, on that one. Not to mention the fact that MLB picked that one up. MLB picked it up. I mean, it was a, uh, it was a big storm. I mean, I've never seen my phone like it was after game. I mean, it was an incredible game, but that moment, and really, let's give credit to the crew at ESPN Plus, Major Hal, and the students that run the camera, Lucas, and all the guys, because you mentioned it, Jeff. It wasn't just a random play. It was a the way to hit the home runs going to left field which is always dramatic because now you're thinking it's, is it fair? Is it foul? She hits the whole thing. hit someone's car. Right. It goes <laughs> gone. You see her accelerating with the bat flip. The team is in cellar. It was uh, incredible. television. Yeah. Incredible television there. Pandemonium. Um, and, and, you know, Bryson, you were there and you brought up a great point to me because we were debating because a lot of, there are a lot of people voted for the Savannah Adams pinch hit home run and rightfully so. Uh, which beat Houston because without that, they probably don't host the conference, uh, host the regional. Manny Berhorano's walk-off hit against Michigan wasn't even nominated. It was just too many choices. But, Bryson, there's a couple reasons why this is the correct call with the Doherty play because of the dramatics of it, obviously, from a visual standpoint. But this set the tone for the season, as you pointed out. It, it was a, You can sense it in that building that, hey, this was not only special for tonight, but this could set the tone for something special throughout the year oh yeah i i mean shannon of course was the one that made the premonition of they can't take regionals away and that ended up proving prophetic there's also the fact that you know the very first game of the season against a nationally ranked opponent and you take them to extra innings i mean when you go through a gauntlet like that that a big test like that right out of the gate and you come and you come away with the win like that I mean, that kind of gives you the whole, like, we can do anything after doing that. And to yeah. do that in the first game of the season, I think absolutely set the tone for what was going going forward. And not just for Doherty individually, considering she did two more walk-offs after that, but for the rest of, for the team for the rest of the season. Yeah. This is the equivalent of the Mike Hughes play. Like, I think the Savannah Adams play and even the Bejarano play is more the Trey Neal play, the interception against Memphis. You could argue that was a more important play than the Mike Hughes kickoff return against USF. But the Mike Hughes play is a play that everybody remembers where they were because you just don't see that. And I think Shannon Doherty is the same thing. Everybody remembers where they were when she hit that walk-off. And I think that's the, the equivalent there that I would describe. So I think everybody not, and clearly has been proven. Not to, not to, you know, it, it, not to poo-poo that a little bit, I would argue it's more like, if you remember from 2017, to sort of compare it, the Adrian Killen's 96-yard run against Memphis early in the season, because you're thinking, you know, because after that, I'm thinking, whoa, this is this is a different UCF team that we're watching here. This is, there, there's something, something magic yeah, a, is happening. I think, right, 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 from a narrative, that's a good point, uh, but that you know that didn't make Nash that didn't make the national headlines sure. like the like the Mike Hughes did or the Doherty. But I know where you're saying. You're right. Kelly's was kind of that statement that hey, this is going to be a different. This could be a special year. That's a valid good comparison yeah. there. Yeah. All right, that takes us to moment of the year. This one was pretty easy for us, I think. Uh, softball winning the UCF, winning the Orlando Regional. Women's basketball clinching the American Athletic Conference at home against Cincy and cutting down the nets. Softball hosting, learning that they're hosting the regional uh, by watching the selection show. Football, Kate, uh, Mackenzie Milton finishing up his career uh, at the Hula Bowl, a remarkable moment. But the winner, uh, this one was this one was uh, about as easy as it gets. Um, even though, again, the UCF softball fans just coming out in droves picking 
UCF winning the regional as the fan vote winner. The winner of the moment of the year for UCF, I think we can all agree on this one, Ryan O'Keefe's touchdown catch against a Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl where he throws up the deuces in honor of the late Otis Anderson. Uh, it, it, it was, uh, you know, we talked about the new, I know, Eric, you're a big fan of numerology around here. Same length touchdown catch as Otis's famous touchdown catch where he threw up the deuces in the uh, American Championship in 2018. Um, but this one not just was was not just really the clincher against Florida. And Drew, I want to go to you on this. This wasn't just the clincher against Florida, but you know, to pay tribute to Otis um, and the tragedy surrounding his death in, in a moment like that was, for me, that was one of the most, in that game, in that moment against that opponent, um, for me, it was one of the most emotional moments, I think, in UCF history. Uh, it's it's up there as far as from a, from a single moment. You know, they had, you know, Otis's uniform, uh, on on the sideline, they carried it around. Uh, he became the spiritual motivation of this team heading into into the bowl game because and it was of, the of, first game after his death. Yes, uh, and, and, you know because of the uh, you know the the tragic you know situation that that led to to his uh, his premature passing, uh, and and how beloved he was by not only the program but by fans. I mean, fans. Uh, I don't want to say gobbled it up because I made it you know, kind of trivialized, but I mean, they embraced, you know, the, the support for, for, you know, Otis and, and everything he, he brought to, to this school, you know, he, he bled for, for, for this school. And uh, it's a tribute also to the fan base who recognized the work that go, that these players put into it uh, and to have, you know, a 54 yarder that matches the exact yardage of, and do the exact same thing. I guarantee you, Ryan O'Keefe had no idea that was a 54-yard touchdown play. He wasn't thinking that. You know, he had in his mind he broke it free. He wanted to throw up the deuces for for a friend, and you know, it just became the perfect moment that that just encapsulate, encapsulates how special college athletics really is. It goes beyond just the sport. It covers the fan base, the community at large, and they all embraced it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with everything you just said, Drew. And I also want to bring this into point. Um, so one college football writer, Steve Helwick, um, posted Noah's photo of that moment when Ryan O'Keefe threw up the deuces. And Noah actually responded to that tweet where he said that he um, it certainly helped tell an amazing story of a physically and emotionally strong UCF team that overcame a lot to get to that moment. I think that, you know, we, we do talk about how the individual of the individual of that moment, but I think it also is important to bring up that, you know, the passing, the unfortunate passing of Otis Anderson was just one of or of just many things that this team had to overcome over the course of the season everybody getting injured including the head coach i mean it was just it's a, it's an emotional catharsis that i think this fan base got in that moment that really makes it what it is on multiple levels let's yeah. take it to let's let's take it to another degree there's you know there's that one angle that has the florida player down on the ground as he's you know he's got the deuces up and, and the ucf side of the stadium behind it yeah, too going everybody celebrating insane. There, there's an, uh, there's a different view on this. Is the, is the coming of age of UCF. You add the whole Big Twelve piece, uh, beating, 
you know, the, the, the top state school uh, on a neutral playing field, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that they're leaving them in the dust, essentially, according to that picture. Uh, it says a lot. It, it just shows the growth of, of UCF as a school, as a community, not only just that one game in itself, but in general. Yeah. Wow. What a moment it was. And like I said, whenever I need a, whenever I need a pick me up, I watch the YouTube of that game. He still cries. I still cry. I'm not gonna, I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, all right. That takes us to our final four awards. And these are the two big ones, men's and women's, the athletes of the year and the teams of the year. And we are going to go first with athlete of the year. First, the men's athlete of the year, our nominees, Ryan O'Keefe, uh, who is second, all AAC second team. We talked about him earlier. Uh, Luca Dorado of men's soccer, first team all conference uh, led uh, UCF men's soccer in goals with uh, 13, including six game winners. Johnny Trevally of UCF men's golf, who led his team with uh, the seventh lowest scoring average in a single season in program history, three top fives and a win. Uh, Darren Green Jr. from basketball, third team all conference, uh, really was the uh, the key cog in UCF's lineup, especially towards the end of the year. And Jeffrey Pena of baseball, who led uh, his team. With a 339 average, uh, 82 hits in 60 games played. <clears throat> All conference uh, second team. Pena won the fan vote and he also won the overall vote. So Jeffrey Pena is our 2022 UCF Male Athlete of the Year, Bryson Turner. Um, you know, this was uh, it, this one was kind of a tough category, and I think we kind of hinted at this for you know, this, you know, the some of the men's teams did struggle more than the women's teams obviously this year but and when you talk about somebody who was really consistent Jeffrey Payne was it for UCF men's for UCF baseball he his 82 hits that you mentioned earlier Jeff that is the most hits a UCF Knight has had in a single season since 2011 when Jonathan Griffin had 86 of co- of course wow. his signature yeah. ability his stolen bases not only has he set a program record in, in for stolen base percentage, he has a 943 stolen base percentage. Almost 95% of the time, he steals the he steals the bag. He's um he he also stole 20 or more bases in back-to-back seasons for the first time since Matt Ray did it in 2005 to 2006. I, I mean, and of course, he you mentioned his batting average. I mean, he was he was this team's rock. When it came to batting average, he also had the walk-off double that kept the team alive against Houston in the AAC semifinal. I mean, mm-hmm. this, I mean, it's it's a wonder to me, by the way, because the MLB drafters recently we talked about how um, you know the three UCF players got drafted. The fact that Jeffrey Pena has not gotten drafted yet is beyond me, because yeah. I think that his I think he has more than proved his athletic ability on the field. And I really do think he deserves a shot to prove himself in the in the professional system. And this season is just a showcase as to what he can really bring to that. And he had really helped get this UCF baseball team as far as they did. Right. If this team is in the regionals, this is not even a conversation. It's an easy win yeah. for him. I think that's the only reason that people may not be aware. See, he's such a quiet guy, too. Doesn't really bring attention to himself. He just did his job every day. Uh, it was consistent and really was on fire. I mean, that's a great stat Bryson just mentioned. Most hits for any UCF baseball player since 2011. Yeah. I mean, 11 that's, years. A, wow. that's a pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. 
Uh, that takes us to Women's Athlete of the Year. And man, this was tough. Uh, our nominees, McKenna Melville for Volleyball, all, ABCA All-American, uh, led the NCAA with 701 points, 617 kills, and she's still got another year left to go of this. Uh, Diamond Battles of Basketball, the uh, another All-Region player, AAC Player of the Year, AAC Defensive Player of the Year, Most Outstanding Player of the American Championship, Unanimous First Team All-Conference. We miss you, Diamond. Uh... Pat Pitten of golf, six top 10 finishes, AAC player of the year, uh, helped UCF to a final ranking of 35 in the golf stat rankings. Renaya Jones, the star of stars, Renaya herself, uh, bronze in the NCAA track and field championships, uh, set a new program record in the 60 hurdles, MVP of the AAC indoor meet with four goal, four goals in total this year, three indoor, one outdoor, um, Boy, is she going to be fun. I can't wait to see her in, on Team USA in 2024. I'm not, it's going to happen. I'm putting it out there into the universe. And Jada Cody of softball, another All-American. D1 softball first team. Softball America second team All-American. Ranked the 21st best player in the country according to D1 softball. The most outstanding player of the AAC uh, tournament. First team All-Conference. Uh, broke records left and right, including Stephanie Best's RBI record. Jada won the fan vote, and she won the overall vote. Our 2022 UCF Women's Athlete of the Year, Jada Cody of UCF Softball, Eric Lopez, well-deserved. I, uh, it's a well-honored, deser- well-deserved honor. When uh, you are mentioned now in the same sentence as a Hall of Famer like Stephanie Best, you're doing some pretty good things, and that's what Jada Cody's doing breaking the RBI record, home run, she does the home run, but she also catches. Remember, Gianna Mancha mm-hmm. would tell you she doesn't have the success she has without uh, Jada Cody catching her. Great third base, left field, now going to be on Team USA. It's it's going to go down as arguably the greatest all-around season that any UCF softball players ever had. That's how big of a year Jada Cody had and historic year she had. Well-deserved yeah. honor and a, maybe the most stacked category in the history of the bannies and moving forward considering the list that was an insane list of nominees uh future hall of famers all americans you name them are in that category jeff it's the biggest without question the most stacked category ever that we've ever done since we started the bannies and we didn't even mention the fact that aac goalkeeper of the year caroline delisle didn't even get nominated that's how stacked this category is and by the way this is an interesting stat that i saw that i remember if you remember last year renaya jones took both the breakout athlete of the year and the female athlete of the year second year in a row in a row that the same athlete took both awards yeah uh that takes us to our last two awards of this week of this year's black and gold bannerette awards the men's and women's teams of the year we start with the men uh ucf golf nominated uh, made the NCAA region as an 11 seed, five top five finishes, and a win at the Hartford Hawks Invitational back in September. UCF baseball finished 35 and 25, but that was good enough for second in the American. They were one win from the American Championship, and they got a win over eventual national champion Ole Miss. And UCF football uh, finished nine and four despite a slew of injuries in that Louisville game. Uh, won the Gasparilla Bowl over Florida, of course, first time beating the Gators, and finished with a people forget this a seven and zero record 
at home. They protected the home turf. Baseball won the fan vote, but it wasn't enough to overcome UCF football, the men's team of the year for 2022. Uh, Drew, you touched upon some of this earlier, but it bears uh, reiterating here. Um, A phenomenal coaching job combined with some, uh, you you know, real team. I I thought it was a real team effort by uh, a lot of these guys stepping up and rallying. You know, we saw that in the, uh, in uh, our time in the documentary, how, you know, this team was decimated after that Louisville game and they lose the two straight games, Louisville, Navy, and man, it looked like it could have fallen apart, but the coaching staff kept them together. The players themselves rallied around one another, and it ended in and it ended with one of the most remarkable moments in UCF uh, athletics history in beating Florida. Oh yeah, no one was safe that season. Uh, you know, no player was safe, no coach was safe. Gus Malzahn having a broken leg, yeah, uh, and having to to coach on a scaffolding basically, you know, with a table. Uh, you know, uh, no crediting is safe. Hi, I'm Eric Lopez. Nice to meet you. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing was safe. I'm, even the PA announcer got hurt and had to miss a game. Yeah. Even the PA announcer had to miss time. I mean, nothing was safe at UCF football and you know what they rallied, they excelled and it could have been far worse. And this, this is, goes back to why guys like, like a guy like T will won assistant coach of the year. You know, and Gus Malzahn won coach, won head coach of the year. They could have packed it in right after that Louisville game. You know what? Let's just, Mikey Keene's going to be our guy. We're just going to work on developing. No, they didn't could work have played on out developing. the string, but they did not do that. Yeah. They didn't work on developing. They worked on winning and they did. You know, they, you know, sure, there was a, there were a play or two away from having 11 wins, but I think people forget that. That, that Navy game was was just a couple of plays away from being a win, and then obviously that Louisville game was was uh, you do that nine out of ten times, it's probably going to end up a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, it's just I, I think people you know don't give that enough credit, and and let's give baseball you know credit. They also dealt with a lot of injuries and it, it derailed the season. The season. The big difference was UCF got that bowl win at the end of the year. Ended it on a high note, defeated Florida. I think if they lost that game, baseball probably would have won this award. Or at least yeah. it would have been really much more interesting debate there. Uh, by the way, Drew, I'm, I'm really proud of you. You didn't nominate yourself for moment of the year for appearing on our time. I mean, I thought that was what I would have voted for you. There. Interview of the year, soundbite of the year. Yes. I, well, I, well here, here's an interesting thing that you bring up, Eric, though, is let's say UCF had beaten, I don't know, Mississippi State in the Gasparilla Bowl. Probably not as big of a moment, do you think? Correct. Uh, probably, it's, pro- it's probably maybe the they don't op- win that award. Well, I don't know about they. They might still win the award because you still win a bowl game. But I don't think this game, like for example, I don't think it wins game of the year. I mean, the reason it wins game of the year is because it's Florida. That wasn't a great game. Like the Boise game, you could argue is a better game. But you got my vote. Right, you voted for I that. Uh, but. The Florida game has more significance because of who it is and it's the bully and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I think the opponent played a big role on that. And look, baseball had, you know, if baseball would have made it to the regional, that would have been a much more interesting regional. And, and by the way, men's golf, let's quit a quick throw. Got in as one of the last four teams in. Not a lot of people expected. That was dramatic. I mean, under the radar, but they got in for Bryce Waller. That's big for him to get to the tournament again for their program with the players they have. So, um, 
you know, each each team kind of had something to be proud of. Salvaged, I think, the season. I know, meant you know, baseball wishes they could have, you know, some of the non-conference games kind of did them in, but they it was a lot of adversity this year on the men's side. Hopefully, let's hope for a healthy men's sports calendar year coming up for UCF. Yeah, in more ways than one. And that takes us to our final award of the year, which is the women's team of the year. We've talked ad nauseum in this podcast about how great of a year it was for UCF women's sports all the way around. The nominees, you could probably list them off, you know, by, you know, without me having to do it. UCF volleyball, 27 and 7, 19 and 1 in the American, most wins in program history in conference. Uh, fourth consecutive American Athletic Conference title, another NCAA bid. They get to the second round, fall just short against UCLA in Pauley Pavilion. So close to getting to that second weekend in five sets. UCF women's basketball, what a year for them. Winning the double, regular season and con- and, and tournament title in conference. 26-4, and 14-1 and in the American. Won their first NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament game against Florida. And again, came so close against UConn uh, in the second round uh, from pulling off what could have been the, the the upset of program history, if you ask me. Women's golf uh, made the NCAA tournament for the third straight time, eighth in the last 11 seasons under Emily uh, under Emily Marin, uh, finished 11th in the Ann Arbor Regional, seven top fives and two tournament wins. And UCF softball, of course, which we've talked about, 49-14 and 14 on the year. Regular season and tournament championship. First time they've done that since 2015. Hosted a regional for the first time. Won a regional for the first time. Yeah, sure, they ran into Oklahoma in the second round. Oklahoma probably could beat the New York Yankees if you give them a chance. Uh, they, really paying players like it. Allegedly. And UC... <laughs> oh, and I, wow. NIL, baby! Wow! <laughs> oh, man! What? What? Fired. And UCF just shots are fired in the direction of, of Norman, Oklahoma. From just Eric kidding. Lippen. UCF track and field. Let's not forget, this team had a hell of a year. Pulled the double themselves. Outdoor and indoor champions. Just the third time in program history that they've done that. First time since they've joined the American. Uh, and numerous, numerous athletes going to the NCAA championships. The winner, 97% of the fan vote. And, of course, they win the overall vote from us, UCF Softball. Uh, This one could have gone a bunch of different ways, but, Eric, I think the fact that they won that regional, they got over that hump, you know, that a lot of UCF teams have been trying to do over the years, basketball, volleyball among them. You know, they were the first ones to do it, and and they did it in spades. What a year for Cindy Ball Malone and everyone at UCF Softball. Yeah, that's what separated them from the pack uh, was the fact they got to host a regional, win the regional, and advance to the Super Regionals, which is basically the round of 16. To put that in perspective, since 1999, where pretty much all sports went to the field of 64, only five now UCF teams in a field of 64 tournament have advanced to a round of 16. The women's tennis Mm -hmm. uh, with Brian Kanyeko last couple years, which – uh, as well as women's soccer, 2011 when they got to the quarterfinals, and then 2014. The now I want to mention people are going to wait. Wait a minute, what about men's soccer? They meant the two Sweet 16s. Those were 48 team field and a 36 team field. Not that that means that you know it's still a big accomplishment, but just you know 64. So overall, got buys you, a couple of times I think. Too, correct, so got the buy in slightly, uh, 19. Slightly easier path. 
Still, though, if you want to include them, seven UCF teams ever have gone to the round of 16 or Super Regional in the history in Division One era. That's incredible. Uh, and that's what separated them. And this team won a uh, – Bryson, you were there. The, 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 there was a romantic part of this. Like, it, you know, we've seen this very rarely. We saw this with football in 17, how the city, the community, casual people jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, to some extent, men's basketball in 19. This softball team grabbed a lot of people's attention uh, and, and, and fanfare that we haven't seen very often and really is going to pay off here moving forward. They picked up a lot of fans. I think the the big appeal you mentioned what's what separated them from the pack, and I actually think that it comes to it comes to this the reason, is they went where they went where no where they had not gone before, and let me explain. So UCF volleyball, great year, they've been to the second round before, they still didn't get past it. UCF women's golf. They've been to the regional plenty of times under Emily Marin. You know, there's nothing new, nothing new there. It's still amazing, but nothing new. Women's basketball. They did make it to the NCAA tournament before. They just got their first win. And I do, and they did get a vote in the category. And I do agree that women's, and I think that women's basketball is a clear number two here. Then, but, and then you have track and field who of course are, are coming off of Renia Jones. They've sent athletes to the NCAA championships before. Nothing new there. What is new is UCF softball not only hosting a regional, but winning it and going to the super regional for the first time ever. It doesn't matter if they go up against the 1920 New York Yankees or whatever. Um, they, <laughs> they went where they have never gone before, and people are attracted to that. This is something that they've never done, and the, the fans were a part of that. They embraced that. And that's what really separates them from the separates them from the pack, and why they do it in dramatic them. ways too. Yeah. Many, like we mentioned the Georgia game, the Michigan game, similar to the football team in seventeen, right? South Florida game, very dramatic. Memphis, dramatic. Peach Bowl, dramatic. Uh, there's some a flair for that, Drew. Drew, am I right on this? I mean, there's this team. This team uh, attracted non-softball fans, casual fans that. A lot of UCF fans support it there, but non-UCF fans too so get, jumped on this team. I mean, there were a lot of people that were happy in in the non-UCF fans in softball that they got an opportunity to host. They, they people got behind them. Well, one, they, you know, everyone likes a winner. You know, it's easy to follow a winner, and and you know, the the team was winning. That helps. One, two, they were in the spring. Uh, there was less competition. You know, look at volleyball was stuck being behind football. Football, while not winning so much takes up a lot of attention and time you only have so much to give so that hurt volleyball's uh numbers because i mean look what they've done i mean the to say that they're a dynasty in the american is is a very accurate statement they are a, a you know, they are a viable dynasty in the conference and what they've done is nothing short of amazing but it's overshadowed by the fact that you know people pay attention to other sports first you know, soccer, you know, never really got the due attention it deserved when it was having its heyday because of when they were playing. So softball took advantage of the fact that there was really nothing going on at that time. You have them in baseball and track and softball is the easiest foul. And I think the other X factor is ESPN plus uh, the exposure that comes Good point. with with ESPN plus has been able to bring in casual fans because here's the truth. Softball is actually a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's faster than baseball. 
it, it the nuances of the game are, are different and it's it's easy to really enjoy and get into and i think a lot of casual fans had the opportunity to do that and they went from casual fan to to real fan and, and i think they're going to continue to follow it because you know, especially the momentum, you know, Cindy Bumalone signed a new contract. She's going to be here for a while. You have momentum going into next year. It's not like you had to hit the reset button. There's plenty of talent there. And I think it's only going to build from, from where you got now. And I think this proves a, a point that, you know, administrators and coaches have been making this point to us and to the fans for a long time, but it really bears repeating. Look at how much of an advantage it was for UCF to host, Right. Bingo. To host that host that regional. And it's and they why, sold out. And they sold out. So it looked great on TV. It was sold it was sold out. Huge, huge advantage for the team in competing there. Um that's why these coaches fight so hard, you know, for in those non conference schedules to try and put themselves in a position to us. And this was why, you know, we talked about the story of the year too in the Big Twelve. It's going to be even that much it, for, I don't know if it's going to be easier because the competition is going to step up big time one way or the other. It gives you more room for error. It does give you more room for error. Right. And this is why fan investment, uh, you know, not just, not just through season tickets, but donations, the commitment that UCF has made. We saw that we saw the fruits of that in UCF softball this year, what that can mean for not just a team, but the program in general. And I think that's you know that that it's, it's it's just a little bit of a preview, Eric, for what we hope that we'll be seeing once UCF gets to the Big Twelve in July of twenty twenty. Well, and the fan support too. UCF was twenty first in the country in attendance, total attendance in college, in softball, Division One. And if you ask those players, Bryson, we asked those players, those fans made a difference in the regionals. The alumni just cheering on the starting chance makes a difference, and that's the other reason why you want to host. Because your fans are, you have the fans on your side instead of going up against thousands of people on the other side. That was a big factor in all this. And that's the momentum that Drew was talking about, Bryson, that's carrying over for softball. And I think we'll also carry to the other sports. I have a feeling that the other sports, starting with volleyball this fall, they saw that. And that's going to motivate these people are competitive human beings. Okay. We learned that in these polls, man. Oh, my goodness. The volleyball and the softball people and the baseball people, too. They, and I'm not talking just talking about the fans. I'm talking about the players, yep. the the parents, and the coaches. Man, they got competitive about a this. A news organization picked up on this. Uh, uh, SNN in Sarasota picked yep. up on this. I mean, yeah, it, it's you know the competition's legit. <laughs> it is legit. Let's yeah. not forget, gentlemen, that we are getting like let's let's really take stock of the athletes that we're going to be seeing play over the next 365 days. McKenna Melville, Renaya Jones, Jada Cody, Shannon Doherty, Ryan O'Keefe, Luca Dorado, Caroline Delisle. I mean, it's a terrible day in UCF sports. All coming back. All coming back. And who, and Jeff, and more than, and more likely than not, Jeffrey Pena. I mean, let, I mean, I'm just kind of overwhelmed of looking at this and thinking like, holy crap, like how, I, I mean, I guess in terms of like just overall athletic department is like, I don't know if we've had as many stars playing at well, the same time yeah. in 
a long time, if not ever. Well, and think about the teams, too. Softball brings back pretty much their entire offense. Pitching's the big question there. They got to figure out they lose Mancha and Woodall. Volleyball re- loses Wa- uh, Watson and Moravic, but return a strong nucleus from a team, Jeff, that we yeah. saw they're, what, five swings away from the round of 16? I think that the, the deepest in any Division One volleyball, UCF volleyball team has ever gone. Like, no team has ever been closer to the round of 16 than this past year's volleyball team. Track and field, my goodness. I feel like they're all freshmen and sophomores. They're all coming back, basically. They, they have the they have the steepest upward trajectory, yep. I mm-hmm. think, of any program right now, track and field. And I'll tell you that I do think that we're due for, you know, we, we talked a little bit about like how big, you know, this year is for the, has been for the women's sports. I think we are due for, for a real tra- uh, upward trajectory for the men's sports um, as well. I think that, you know, football expectations are going to be high. Uh, I'm interested to see what men's basketball is going to do with a roster that's that's kind of been completely retooled. Um, you know, what are we going to see from men's soccer? I know that I know that you know Coach Calabrese. I that's the half, team. Half I think the is, roster is going to be new. The American right. is, a, even though it's the same league, it's a in a way it'll be a, a little league. tougher with those yeah. new teams. Yeah. yeah, with you know FIU joining joining the fray in Charlotte uh, and a couple others. It's going to be uh, it's going to be wow. We have a lot to look forward to in 2022. 23 and uh man what are you going to it's our last year in the american you guys remember how we did in our last year in conference usa how many conference championships ucf won i remember we got screwed in tulsa in football i do recall that i still think that some guy jumped off the sidelines and made the tackle uh, on that championship game so I, something weird I, I, so I think women's soccer may have won the conference title there volleyball was in the title game i think that year uh, it's no different than when they left the Atlantic Sun. You know, they they were dominating that conference too yeah. when they moved on. It's going to be interesting, though. And by the way, something to keep in mind: this is the last year the UCF will get to host any comp- potential conference championship games. Like in football, this is it because the Big Twelve in football plays in a neutral field. Uh, all the all the other sports are on neutral fields in the Big Twelve. So this is the last time you could see UCF potentially in football or men's or women's soccer uh, host a conference championship game. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, man. All the other sports you just uh, bummed me out saying are not that, happening. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, there's other story. The, the thing uh, we got to get through. By the way, we said this last year. You did not come through on this. You are, you, are, you are our Tampa bureau. We got to get you out to see McKenna Melville in person. Maybe not if you can't make it here. You got to go watch her in Tampa. You know, so especially this will be the last time UCF USF playing in conference. You know, UCF's going to a, a, the Ameri- uh, the Big Twelve. USF's you know going to stick. You know, going to get beat up by FAU now for the next decade. But you got we got to get you out to some of these Olympic sports. That's the goal here. That's well, the new goal. I, we made we made improvements from the first year to the next year. So if if we make incremental improvements, that's what matters. <laughs> I I tried to get to a volleyball match. Uh, during one of the, the football Saturdays, I think it was the Boise State Day. Uh, didn't quite work out. That day kind of went a little bit sideways for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, so uh, that didn't happen. But, you know, I, I, I yeah. Um, if you haven't been to a volleyball match, she's a living legend. She's arguably top. Do it now. <laughs> do it now. You ha- She may be top three athletes ever to, you know, play at UCF, period, and dominate her sport. You know, her She's Michelle 510 and, kills away from top 10 all time. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking regardless about regardless of era. Great. You, know, you, yeah. may, you may think like Blake Bortles is the best setter, but you know, McKenna Melville is looking at all time ever in NCAA. We're, you know, we're, we're talking major record books. Uh, so, I mean, 
you don't get that every day. Yeah. So you get, get to watch her. To you get to watch her. Jada Cody, UCFO. They're going to be in Clearwater for the ESPN tournament, uh, Mr. Drew Glukoff. That could be right up your valley as well. We got a lot of options for you. Minute to an what, hour we've, drive. what we've learned is we're not going to send you to men's basketball. We, we did learn that lesson. <laughs> yeah. uh, Let's not forget with McKenna <clears throat> that last year, McKenna had a, had a major case for female athlete of the year last year, but she ran into Renaya Jones breaking out, breaking out. This year, she ran into Jada Cody breaking a long long-standing record i mean i'm i this could be mckenna melville's year coming up barring some other barbarian like just herculean achievement that i can't ever even fathom happen she's too good and her numbers are too we good. take her for granted <laughs> is what you're telling me i well listen one thing we do not take for granted is you the fans helping us out with these awards? You've been great the last three weeks in voting for. We really record breaking a uh, Rec- voter yes. turnout by the way, thousands, thousands, voter insane turnout. numbers. Like our, I mean, my goodness, it's insane. Really appreciate it to you. Really appreciate it to all the athletes who shared our content on social media and campaigned a little, champagning and campaigning as as uh, as Jalen Rose likes to say. We really appreciate you guys doing that for us. That's tremendous, and the teams as well, the coaches. Uh, the administrators, the assistants, everybody, you know, we do this for you guys because we want to honor the achievements that you've made in the course of in the course of your year. So congratulations to all of you. And we look forward to a lot of fun in 2022, 2023. So with that, we conclude the 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Awards show, which means we put a final bow on the 2021 2022 athletic year at UCF, which also means we start next week our look ahead to the 2022-2023 year, and we start looking at some football preview content, Andrew, because we've got to, you know, we got some stuff coming up. We got media day for the conference coming up. We're gonna have media day at UCF coming up, I think, fairly soon. We haven't seen I haven't seen a date yet on that, but uh we're expecting it to come by pretty soon. Um you know, we're, we're already doing, we are already being asked to vote in like preseason polls and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, like this is going it, to, it's going to start to get, it's going to start to get real next week. We make the transition from the end of one year to the beginning of the next. There's no rest for the wicked. And you know, <laughs> that's why yeah. Kyle's not here. He's just camping out for the, you know, for the, for getting ready for practices and everything. He's probably camped <clears throat> out somewhere. Yeah, he's hey, he and, and Trace Trolko have tents set up waiting. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> right outside the Wayne Dench. Yeah, yeah we'll leave go. it right there. But we are so thankful to you. And I am thankful to you guys, Eric, Bryson, Drew. Thankful to Kyle. Thankful to Derek. Thankful to Noah. Thanks to all the uh, you know, Jeremy and Danny who were with us earlier this year. Um, you know, everyone who has helped us out with content. Thankful to the SIDs at UCF. Um, many we of wish which them have, well on all their we movements. Wish them, yeah, we wish a bunch of them well. A bunch of them have actually left the office and moved on. Uh, but we're so thankful to them for not just this past year, but all the years that they've spent with us. Um, thanks also to John Heisler, who's been who's been so good to us in helping set things up and uh, set up amazing interviews and 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 runs a tight ship over there. Thanks to John. Um, you know, wow. I mean, every year I'm in awe uh, with gratitude for everybody. That we that has helped us out, um, you know, and it starts at the top. Terry Mahajer, thanks again to Terry, um, thanks to Rich, uh, thanks to Jimmy, um, you know, and if, and I know I mentioned John before, uh, Jimmy Skiles, of course, uh, you know, thanks to Rich Zavosich, who's uh, uh, 
who is Terry's right-hand man. Um, man, what a what a time to be a UCF fan right now. This final year, as we head into this final year in the American before UCF moves to the Big 12 Conference in every sport but men's soccer, where they go to the Sun Belt, of course, which is a big story that we that we broke. So, uh, so again, thanks to everybody. Uh, and thanks to you guys. Thanks to you, the fans and the listeners. If you have, if you have subscribed to this podcast, we thank you so much. Please leave us a review. If you have not yet, please subscribe to our podcast uh, via either Apple or Android, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media if you don't already. We are at UCF Banner at underscore SBN. Again, that's UCF Banner at underscore SBN. You can follow us each individually. I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow Drew at StatBoyDrew. Follow Bryson at It's Bryson Turner. And, of course, follow Kyle at VSOTG for the student of the game. And, of course, Derek Warden, our photographer, one of our two photographers with Noah Goldberg. Uh, follow Derek at underscore DS Warden, where he's just freaking amazing at photos, as is Noah. I mean, the, those two guys. I mean, go back and look at that photo of the year stuff. That's really remarkable stuff. Noah's at the Noah Goldberg. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banner at Oh, don't forget to subscribe also to our YouTube channel where we provide a lot of video content for you as well, including uh, media days and post-game press conferences. And we will be stepping up our game this year as we head into this, again, our final season in the American before we move to the Big 12. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banner, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Awards Show. We will catch you next week as we dive into the new athletic year of UCF Sports.